0: Warning: You are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records.
1: i have been forgotten, i do. I've been married a long time ago. Dango. <laughs> Glory, Mr. a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I want to be a rock star. Hello, welcome to episode 48 of Broken Records, the solo podcast from the Right Act Network that searches for the very worst album ever made in the history of music. My name's Stephen Hill. You can listen to me and Renfrey Deadman, who's also here with me as per. Hello. How are you doing, Renfrey? Um, I'm I'm ecstatic to be talking about this album today.
1: Um oh. And and it's been a really kind of, uh, it's been an odd listening experience going back to this album, but we'll get into that. But yeah, mm. I'm all right. Yeah. How are you, Steve? You've got, a, you've sustained an injury. Do you, do you want to talk about that or do you not want to talk about Well, we that?
0: talk about this on last week's show, but oh, we're dear, recording because we? we spoke about last week's show. We actually recorded the day before it was put out. And because we're going to Bloodstock, theoretically, because my ankle is fucked still um i am theoretically still going to bloodshot but we're recording this a little bit earlier than we usually do hopefully nothing terrible will happen to the members of cold chamber between recording and this uh podcast going out and then we'd look like really awful people but um <laughs> but i don't think it will I mean, don't be jinx fair. it anyway no well let's hope not anyway um this is where we search for the worst album ever made if you go and find us at Right act on every friday you can hear us reviewing Great albums. There's a good week coming up that we're just about to do, as a matter of fact, with Wolves in the Throne Room and Nas and Quicksand that we're going to be talking about. Oh, but great mm, artists. That was last Legitimate. week. Legitimate. If you think about it, when this is coming out, that was last oh, week. Oh yeah, fuck, we haven't actually recorded it. Oh, this is weird, isn't it? It's is weird. Oh we just dear. Fiddle, fiddle with the sort of recording times that we do. Well, that's alright, that's out then. You can listen to that now. Even though, let's hope it is, again, I don't want to jinx it. Let's hope that... We do get a chance to record that podcast that I've Fuck just those. said yeah. exists, even though we haven't actually recorded it yet. What a weird little thing this is. Anyway. It's a
1: pretty bonkers week this week. I mean, this week is last week, for those who are listening to the podcast, when it came out. Oh, time. Time. Oh, so confusing. No one cares about this today. Let's be quick, Um Quick detour. Uh, back to the future. The music... <laughs> Back to the Future, the musical, has yeah. opened today in London. Now, That's it. Back to the Future is your favourite film of all time, right? Correct?
0: One and two combined yeah. are my favourite. I, I mean, can't split them.
1: Brilliant, brilliant uh, choice. It's a fantastic film. I think the first one in particular is almost perfect, actually. Uh, so you're Almost about it. Your feelings and thoughts on a Back to the Future, the musical, Steve?
0: Um... I don't need that. No, neither do I. It looks like it's going to be awful. Well, musicals are awful. That's a little f- a fun lot of them fact of either. A lot of them. I, I think, you know, stuff like the Rocky Horror Picture Show is the exception that proves the rule. Hey, Hamilton. I I was absolutely blown away by oh, Hamilton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Davy away. Diggs of Clipping Faint. Why are we talking about such good stuff on a, on a podcast that's meant to be about shit? I doubt Back to the Future the musical is good. No, to I, be fair, no, probably not. Um, anyway, look, we searched for the worst album ever made. We have a massive, massive list of records. All records picked from this particular list that we have, and not our own personal opinion. They are albums that have some sort of reputation as of being bad. So um, this week. We are going to be adding to the 47 albums that we have already put into our list. Chamber Music by Cold Chamber. The second studio album from, I think, probably the most famous Spooky Core band. Would you say they're the biggest (laughs) Spooky Core band? Probably are. not I think they're just... They're more... Yeah, they are the biggest because there is no other Spooky Core bands. Anyway, the big ones from that massive, important genre, Spooky Core. Cold Chamber, the second album. Uh, released on the 7th of september 1999 that is the day that will forever be etched in the minds of anyone who loves spooky core Uh, (laughs) as a landmark date because chamber music came out but before we get into chamber music Let's run down the flop 20, the 20 worst albums that we have featured on this podcast thus far. At number 20, we start with Razorlight by Razorlight. It's followed by Viva Brothers' famous first words. Linkin Park's One More Light. Super Collider by Megadeth. Theory of a Dead Man, The Truth Is. Slick Dogs and Ponies by Louis XIV. Queen and Paul Rogers with The Cosmos Rocks. Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band original soundtrack, Eogan Quig by Eogan Quig, Graveyard Classics Volume Two by Six Feet Under, Blood Sweat and Towers by Towers of London, Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice, and Gel to the Core by Corey Feldman, Philosophy of the World by the Shags, Little Zan with Total Zanarchy, Blood on the Dance Floor with Bad Blood, Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem, The True Symphonic Orchestra with Concerto in True Minor, Uncle Cracker with Double Wide and Broken Side, still at number one with I'm Not a Fan, but the kids like it we are going to add to that list chamber music by Cold chamber wow renfrey we're on fucking home turf here aren't we we've had a few weeks we've been going oh emerson lake and palmer the twang things that we don't really know so much about we are on absolute home turf here we know what's going on it's Cold chamber we're metal guys we grew up in the 90s we know about Coal Chamber. This is going to be a fucking home run for us. This is easy street, in it, surely. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I felt like um, I could have
1: continued researching this one for a really, really long time. It was almost classic album kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> in, terms, in terms of the research, certainly not in yeah. terms of the quality. Um, and there are some amazing Coal Chamber rabbit holes you can go down. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed flicking through some old karangs. Um, I know you've been flicking mm-hmm. through some old karangs and metal hammers. Um, yeah. And just looking back at it and kind of going... Goodness me, we were sold a load of crap, weren't we? And we bought
0: it. <laughs> well, look, this is the th- I think we need to hammer this home straight away because people of our age, you and I, will go, oh, yeah, Cold Chamber, that was a thing, wasn't it? That was a big deal. Like, we remember how big a, b- a deal this band were back in the late 90s. Uh, they And they were. Now, in 2021, I think that has very much been forgotten about. And and it has been for quite some time before that, to be fair. It's not just like suddenly in 2021, everyone went, hold on, let's stop loving this coal chamber loving um, and let's <laughs> just forget about them. This has been going on for a little while. But it's kind of quite hard to understand and comprehend. If you are a, a fan of heavy music and say you're, I don't know, I, probably anything under the age of about 32 33 maybe hmm. it's almost impossible i think to even try and comprehend just how big cold chamber were back in 97 to about 2000 in the metal scene but let's try let's try and give cold chamber a little bit of context so machine ed corn deftones fear factory all the the big bands from that period right think like machine ed came along in 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 94 with burn my eyes blew up particularly in the uk within one tour we went from supporting tonight at brixton academy to headlining brixton academy corn within the space of an album and a bit went from a kind of unknown curio that was being name checked by people like mats Cavallera to the definitive metal band of an era pretty much deftones we all know about Deftones and how big the impact that Deftones had and continue to have and the mad kind of career that they went on defining like probably pretty much New Metal's definitive artistic statement with White Pony. Even Fear Factory, who are not as big a band these days as they were back then. Fear Factory were a front cover of Kerrang band. They played Brixton Academy. I saw them at Brixton Academy a couple of times. These were the sort of definitive bands in heavy music. Of the mid-noughties you could chuck in a few others typo negative would be one i think it'd be obvious to chuck in and obviously uh, the panteras and the the machines and the bands that were kind of a little faith no more that were a little bit before that but during that kind of i guess what i like to sort of refer to with glowing nostalgia is that sort of first wave and birth of what became new metal all of those bands were super super fucking exciting and 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 brilliant as well that's fair to say isn't it
1: yeah metal absolutely like had one of the most interesting alternative
0: boons that it's ever had yeah and then cold chamber came along (laughs) and it really is that simple guys i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna say i think before cold chamber came along you could look at pretty much any band from that era and have something positive to say about them. Dog Eat Dog I know some of you will go Pfft, Dog Eat Dog. Shit like Sensor obviously like Paradise Lost and then Entombed and the whole kind of the Peaceful 3, the Swedish Melodeth thing uh. Black Metal um, and then Cradle of Phil's appropriation of Black Metal with gothy things. Alternative Metal of White Zombie and Prong Everywhere you looked within Metal. I mean, even if you take the band in now, like Biohazard, the sort of seems is a bit cheesy now. But like Biohazard mixing kind of rap and hardcore and punk and metal together it was fucking exciting it might have dated a little bit now but it was really fucking exciting at the time yeah. some of those songs they, they do sound a bit dated some of them do hold up to a point as well you think of like Sick of It All and Mad Ball and then Shelter and and we we, we spoke about Quicksand at length uh. Uh, on a Rioter's review recently uh, alongside Helmet and the kind of the, the, alt, the, the alt metal stuff most metal that's coming out of that period unless you were a thrash band and you know I mean, even at the, even Megadeth and Metallica were doing all right, and Slayer were doing all right. Really, it was only the sort of the bad Testament albums and the bad Exodus albums that were being released at that time, where you're like, "Oh, that is a bit crap."
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Metallica and and Megadeth, Metallica in particular, were obviously getting lots of shit for cutting their mm. hair and all that bullshit. Sometimes people use Metallica abandoning metal, quote unquote, as sort of an example of why metal was. Fucked in the nineties, but you know we've talked about load and reload on this podcast mm-hmm. before, and they are much much better albums than people give them credit for. Even if they are Far a bit over over stuffed, and you know blah blah mm-hmm. blah. But the stuff that is good on there, I mean, the outlaw torn for me as an example, or bleeding me, is as good as anything they did in the eighties.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, me too. I I mean they're brilliant. So basically. I felt like, you know, the the kind of post... And, and particularly, like, in, super, in in heavy music, the Roadrunner Records School of, like, 95, 93, 94, 95, 96. I was in love with that shit. And those bands were fucking great. The Sort of the LA metal circuit bubbling back up to being something that people were starting to take interest in. I, I thought all of that shit was good. So when I was told this new band cold chamber were the next big band to hit mm. of course i was gonna go great mm. that's interesting cool and to be fair to cold chamber they did form a good few years before the whole it's not like they you know they've got this a bit of a reputation of like bandwagon hopping onto new metal after it was popular they did actually form a good few years before their debut album came out i think their first demo's 94 isn't it yeah 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 so you know they 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 were right at the start of what we're broadly going to call new metal and in a post roots world that had become the most talked about sound in heavy music really they had links with dino from fear factory who um i think pretty much got them their deal with roadrunner and ross robinson who didn't actually produce any of the band's albums i guess you'd say kind of dodged a bullet there a little bit but (laughs) They signed to Roadrunner. They played the first and the second, actually, as well. Ever Ozfest. And that's when the hype started to drift across the pond. And it really did as well. Like, the hype for Cold Chamber was was big. It was fucking big. Like, do you remember the sort of hype surrounding that first record, remember? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I came in like... I feel like I started getting into not even metal, but new metal probably around the release of the first record. I think I, I probably got into it like just after it had been released, but it's certainly, you know, that cover with the uh, spooky man ice on cream the front man. and the yeah. ice cream truck man. I mean, that was everywhere. And I remember like a bunch of the kids, the jitter kids as the Bristol <laughs> Illuminati would call them. Everyone had a copy of that Cold Chamber record, more or less. Um, apart from me, actually, uh, which we'll get into a bit later, but everyone had a copy and everyone was singing loco and sway and all that kind of thing. It was very um, instantaneous,
0: New Mel, I would say. It was. I mean, when the first album came out, it felt like that was, you know, that, that, that Cold Chamber had been primed and prepped and were ready to be the next big band i mean at this point probably when early 97 i'd seen corn live at this point i'd seen rage against the machine as well I hadn't really seen many of the other new metal bands of that side, you know or what what we're going to broadly term as new metal so i hadn't seen well biohazard or fear factory or pitch shifter or anyone like that just at, at that point but i had seen corn and i was like i'd seen corn and rage and i was like this is the shit this is what i'm into now mm. this is great and i heard i think big truck was on a, big on truck. a metal hammer cd loco was on a kerrang cd mm. and loco became a legitimate genuine crossover anthem i mean the numbers for loco on spotify
1: are to this day fucking insane i'm sure it's on plenty of playlists but the numbers for Loco, twenty-one million three hundred and fifty thousand one hundred and eighteen listens, which is um by far and away their biggest song. Their next song is Sway, which is seven million seven hundred and sixty-four
0: thousand four hundred and sixty-four. Mm. That is a lot in it. I think Sway, Big Truck, and Loco were the three that were sort of released on sort of Kerrang or Hammer CDs yeah. that I'd heard. Yeah. And that's when I got that's when I got I went and got the album. Um Loco and it doesn't sound like a lot, but I think for the, for the debut single of a kind of new metal band before new metal was a real kind of genuine, proper mainstream concern. Getting your debut single in the top 80 of the UK singles chart when you're a fucking weird new metal band, it's pretty good going, I think. Especially considering the album's already out yeah. and it's been out for a little while and the song's been given away for free on Kerrang! CDs. I think number 80 is, is kind of all right. I mean, there are bands like Dub, you know, Dub War got to number 41, I think. So, in that, but that was, you know, the sort of lead single off their second album and mm. stuff. So, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I just thought that that was, like, quite good for Cold Chamber in 1997 to get to number 80. But, look, look at that point, they were the third band on, I mean, Machine Head, Napalm Death, Coal Chamber and Skin Lab opening on a UK tour. Cold Chamber, second from bottom. Mm playing the Astoria and you know <laughs> their singles getting to number 80. That's quite impressive as is the fact that you know they opened for Helmet at the LA too as well yeah. around this time. Mm. So, you know, there was a lot of hype surrounding Cold Chamber but they still were being put on fairly low down on the bill just after the album had first been released. But once it kind of came out and got a good review in Kerrang! Not so much in Metal Hammer which we will discuss in a little bit. It felt like that shit accelerated really really fucking quickly really fucking quickly yes it did because it went it went gold in the US 500,000 copies which again i think for a band of their ilk on their debut album is pretty impressive mm-hmm. peaked at number 76 in the UK album charts which again is like all right yeah, i think it's okay and it was get this a number 1 album in germany oh chamber Cold chamber, shit. By Cold chamber now I'm it impressed it went to number 1 in Germany the number 1 album in Germany wow okay <laughs> that that which is mad
1: that is impressive and i had no idea about that that's bonkers mm. um yeah i mean it sold over a 100,000 copies in 1997 alone and sold approximately 3,000 copies a week towards the end of the year you know those numbers are are really really impressive like definitely even then, I think. And certainly people were paying attention, weren't they? Uh because they ended up getting big, big management <laughs> as a result, didn't they?
0: They did. I mean, you know, throughout the rest of the, the sort of the promotion of I mean I mentioned they played I think they headlined the second stage of the nineteen ninety seven Ozfest. Obviously they headlined the second stage of the nineteen ninety eight UK Ozfest as well. Um which we're going to get to in a minute. But they toured in w- with Pantera in the US. Start of 98, they toured with Megadeth. So, you know, they're getting big support slots. And in London, by the end of
1: 1997, they played the Astoria, didn't they? They headlined the Astoria. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Did you go to that?
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Well, this is what I wanted to bring up. I did go to that gig. Right. So I got the album. I was like, this is all right it's good actually I like this sort of thing and then yeah the Kerrang! X-Fest show at the Astoria I'd seen Deftones at the Astoria a couple of months before I think I saw Fear Factory a couple of weeks later as well (laughs) I'd just seen Faith No More I remember going to see Cold Chamber and I, I, I literally like a week or two before I'd seen Faith No More at Brixton Academy and I was just absolutely blown away with how fucking incredible Faith No More were they were amazing I went to see Cold Chamber and It's the first time I'd seen a band and I remember thinking, "Core, you're... This is a bit rubbish, this. This new metal arc is a bit shit. Like, (laughs) they just looked really, really clunky. And I thought, this isn't all it's cracked up to be, is it? Like, it was like a real kind of... It was like a light bulb moment went off in my head where I was like, they don't seem like they're very good. Why aren't they very good? I think it's... Like, looking back on it now...
1: And obviously things are never actually this simple, but we simplify things over time. But looking back at it now, I think it's very, very easy to see Coal Chamber as the beginning of the end for the quality of yeah. New Mel. It feels like they were the beginning of the second wave. And, you know, you have made the point that, like, cold Chamber... I mean, Cold Chamber actually formed in 1993 i just noticed on their wikipedia uh-huh. page and you know i'm sure they didn't sound like they do on the 97 album you know i'm sure they didn't sound like that in 1993 um and certainly there's a lot of derivative stuff that Cold chamber do but it's such a crassly simple version of a genre which is already perceived to be simple by the standards of metal music and, and a lot of new metal is to be honest you know like mm. deftones riffs in the main are much easier to play than metallica riffs mm. but cold chamber just seemed to reduce it to the absolute bare minimum they just did that like, mm. like mm. the amount of their riffs which are literally two notes is mm. unbelievable <laughs> yeah like, yeah I, uh, a- and and there are so many of their riffs which are literally like that kind of thing especially on that first record
0: oh the, the first album is so fucking rudimentary it's unbelievable yeah. And yeah, yeah, i think yeah. that was like watching it live and i was like jesus it really struck me having seen corn and and having seen Deftones and the power of corn and the tightness of corn, and like the sort of class of death tones and I was like there's there's, there's none of this the best thing about that gig was loads of smoke being put onto the Astoria stage and Dez crawling on during their intro tape which was Planet Earth by Duran Duran and I remember (laughs) thinking like Planet Earth by Duran Duran is by about a million percent the best song that's been played tonight Like, I think if you go and see Deftones and they play Planet Earth as their sort of intro song, I think even then you might go, cool, that might be one of the best songs played this evening, even by Deftones standards. By comparison with Cold Chamber, it was so far ahead. It'd be like having Happiness as a Warm Gun by the Beatles and then the fast food rockers come on. It was like that big a gap. It was unreal, right? So, you know, they won Best Newcomer at the Krang Awards that year, I should mention as well. So, like, they, they were a big deal, but... They were crap. Can we just pop back to something that you said? Uh, Far
1: crawled on stage. He did, uh, with yeah. Smoke. Now I guess he popped up. <laughs> There's this kind of theatrical element to them as well, and the whole spooky core cool thing has just been mocked roundly. And I think the image people were really like tearing apart at this point as well. You know, I mean, there was a lot of like weird ass imagery stuff in new metal, but I mean, is there an argument to say that Cold Chambers started
0: that? They were definitely. I mean, you know, let's take all the bands we've spoken about so far. as a pre-Cold Chamber thing. Typo Negative didn't look. You know, they had a uniform. They didn't look stupid though. Mm. At this point, I guess Corn were famously wearing. You know, it was oh my god, they're wearing basketball vests and <laughs> beanies, and they're wearing tracksuit bottoms. Oh, I can't believe this. Mm. Well, lots of people wear that it's not stupid. yes but
1: very very like i don't even want to say normal clothing because i don't want to insinuate that if you dress up like cold chamber that's not normal but it's um it's far more outside of the mainstream than a fucking adidas tracksuit, which is as mainstream as you can get pretty
0: much isn't it yeah you know? well th- that's the thing isn't it is it like it's only because corn were a metal band that that looks weird exactly if Corns sounded like Oasis, that wouldn't have looked weird at all. Or if they sounded like, I don't know, the stereo MCs or something. No one would have even thought that was a I'm thing. I Because island. it was like, oh my God, they're playing metal and look, they're wearing tracksuit bottoms. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Sepultura, Fear Factory, like those bad... I don't think, you know... Did Fear Factory look like freaks? Not really. They look kind of different, but they didn't look like, oh God, look at them, they're mad, it's insane. And, yeah, Cold Chamber came along and it was like... The thick eyeliner, the face tattoos, the slightly tilted, look at me, bug-eyed. Mm. I'm mad, aren't I? Look how mad I am. I can't... My head's tilted to one side. I'm mad. <laughs> I've <laughs> spiked <laughs> my hair up and I've grown a goatee. I and mean, it's dyed my goatee red. I'm a nutter. Yeah. I've got the bit. I've got that bit by my nose pierced, just under my lip and my nose, whatever <laughs> that's called. I've got a piercing there and I'm staring very intently, but my head's slightly to one side. I can't be trusted. Like that was the whole that was the thing, wasn't it?
1: Just look at the loco video for mm. uh, proof of what Steve's talking about. But yeah,
0: or anything they've ever done.
1: Um, <laughs> I think the loco video is probably the least offensive thing you can
0: see by Cold Yeah, <laughs> to be yeah. And I think like when you get past that, I remember going in. So it was been December '97. Albums come out first. I was like, yeah, cool. And then I was like, hold on. Actually, I don't like this. This is not good. And then you go into 98 and I feel like to me I've said it a bunch of times before save for the efforts of System of a Down and Slipknot essentially 1998 and 1999 New Metal really lost all of its allure for me and I thought it was in a in a massive state now bearing in mind what I've said before about pre-Cold Chamber pretty much going I think everything in metal was really good in that period literally everything was really good in 97 not only did we have debut albums from Cold Chamber we had debut albums from Limp Biscuit. Head P.E., Snot, Incubus, and Seven Dust, right? Now, say what you like about those bands and their relative merits and their quality and blah, 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 and, but what they went on to do, they were all very successful, um, with the exception of Snot, who obviously, that sort of tragic circumstances that meant that they never really got to fulfill that promise. But I think it's fair to say that at the very, very least, that is an eclectic, interesting, and in the main, successful group of bands, right? Yeah, for the most part. Hmm. Who's the, the outlier there, would you say, Renfrew, would you say for the most part?
1: Yeah. Well, the first head PE album is is actually really good. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't like anything they did after that.
0: Mm. But yeah. Now, that is pretty much every sort of, let's call it, new metal album that I could find as a debut album that came out in 1997. Between 99 and 98, we had debut albums from Orgy, One Minute Silence, Spineshank, Ultra Spank, Crazy Town, American Head Charge, Dope, Stained, Chevelle, Cold, Godsmack, Linear 77, Methods of Mayhem, Video Drone, and Trapped. Plus, Kill to This, Paramount 5000, and Out, <laughs> put their biggest albums out. <laughs> and we also got the first, just for balance, we also got the first Static Eclipse album. I have put that in there for balance because I do think it's quite good. But for the main, when you compare Limp Biscuit, Headpiece, Snot, Incubus, and Seven Dust with orgy Spineshank, shank ultra spank linear 77 dope video drone and trapped that's some drop off and yeah admittedly you've got slipknot and you've got system of a down in there as well but i do think that is in two year in a two-year period you've basically got two really good bands a good static x album and then just oodles of crap from like the newer bands
1: i mean when i was talking about um first wave second wave and all that kind of thing Every single band. I, I think, to be fair, even Static X, I would I would argue, um, as good as Wisconsin Death Trip is, uh, are all kind of second wave, at the very least. I mean, when you're saying stuff like Linear 77, I'd say that's like third wave. Um, and every wave is uh, diminishing returns. <laughs> very much so. But yeah, I suppose, looking back on all this and doing this research, I'd never really come to that conclusion that this was the beginning of... The quality really, really, really dipping for the new metal genre, but I think generally it was it certainly wasn't it's um i mean it you know it continued to get bigger um I think the nadir commercially was what two thousand two thousand one probably two thousand one I think mm-hmm. what with you know um Iowa getting to number one and all that kind of stuff, but certainly quality control was massively starting to slip and i guess cole chamber are the whipping boys in a way because that's when the tide was beginning to turn yeah i think
0: that's absolutely what happened so you know as one of the more senior and i guess let's face it more ridiculous looking bands on the scene that was i think already from the rock press's perspective going to shit even in 1998 1999 that was starting to go to shit was it not inevitable that coal chamber were gonna have knives being sharpened for them even before chamber music had been announced or even been started working on this was always going to be a fucking failure now i look back and it's like there's no there's no other way that what could i don't know i mean we'll talk about the album and i think the album obviously does play its part it's, you know it plays its part but Coal Chamber were on a fucking hide into nothing, really. To give
1: credit to Coal Chamber and their team, I think it's very, very easy to say that in retrospect. I mean, I think there was a lot of cynical things that were happening with coal chamber Sharon Osbourne was involved of course there was lots of cynical things happening with it but I I can see how at the time they might have just seen it as a continuation of the Deftones core and stuff and yes in a way it was but it was also like a massive step backwards in terms of the actual quality of what was being released you know you look back at Adrenaline Deftones first album now it's actually a very basic rudimentary album by their standards you know and I'm not that, I'm not saying it's bad but it is very very stripped back compared to what they went on to do Coal Chamber makes Adrenaline look like Sergeant Pepper you know in that respect yeah it's just so 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 simplistic and so yeah. so so basic
0: there's also the controversy as the band were thrown into disarray when Rainer Foss later Rainer Foss Rose became pregnant A woman in a band and she gets pregnant (laughs) (laughs) sad and if you remember the whole Nadja versus uh, Rainer thing from the time it looks really fucking awful in retrospect really awful I found the letters page the two letters that were both letters of the week in Kerrang I haven't brought it down I probably should have done to read it out but one of them was was going oh why are they letting Rainer have a kid she's fucking way fitter than Nadja what the fuck I don't want to I don't like them anymore she was a fit one and anyone who thinks so is blind and I was like that's your that's your thing of the week? and the other one went what an irresponsible woman having a kid and leaving her band like is she going to go off on tour I bet her kid's going to hate her and it's like well what what the fuck is wrong with people like, like, horrible sense of it, entitlement isn't it, it's just terrible, terrible. absolutely yeah. terrible so yeah so that was a weird thing but um, you mentioned, Renfri, that they signed with Sharon Osborne, and I believe you have <laughs> evidence to back this up. <laughs> Is that true? I have a, a,
1: a, a Kerrang in front of me from uh, July 17th, 1999. Got James Hetfield on the cover there. Lovely stuff. Hello. You familiar with oh, this I've got one? that one, yeah. The big yeah, day yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's an article on Coal Chamber, and it seems to take place... What it sounds like it's a press listening party in LA Mm -hmm. for chamber music and the way that the writer Joshua Sindel describes the party I mean in a way he's kind of doing that whole thing of like this party should be like full of loads of blow and like girls everywhere and blah 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 which is a little bit like oh come on mate but at the same time he's he goes on for a long time about how boring the party is (laughs) right I'll read this bit to you actually With chamber music, expectations for Cold Chamber are at an all-time high. Sharon Osborne, the band's manager, has flown to LA on her private jet, hello, taking time off from overseeing this year's Ozfest to attend the party. She's of the opinion that the band's cult following could explode into mass popularity in a very short space of time. They've sold several hundred thousand albums without airplay and without MTV, she explains. They're not a typical MTV band, and I wouldn't want them to be. They can build an audience through touring. Still, despite Sharon's enthusiasm, the party remains disappointingly tame. Aside from the small boombox in the corner that's pumping out chamber music, there's precious little else to indicate that something special is happening. Considering the band's image, you'd hope for more bacchanalian revelry. Champagne should be flowing, chandeliers swinging, and chairs and television sets flying down onto the pavement four storeys below. Des Fafara has just about had enough of this refinement. Slowly he reaches into his bag and pulls out a copy of Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil. Meigs Raskin is delighted. Now, when a party is so bad that pulling out a copy of a Motley Crue record makes it better, (laughs) what an absolutely pathetic party. Um, I mean, look, (laughs) we've been to a bunch of these press listing parties, and like a lot of the time, they're not like anything. Uh, outrageously exciting or it's just a bunch of sort of smelly journalists sitting around and listening to a record they're never Sometimes. good uh I, I, the, most of the t- yeah, i agree most of the time they're not good most of the time they're not much fun but i mean <laughs> it just paints a pretty miserable
0: picture doesn't it well i'm i'm gonna read something from an even more explosive interview fantastic look at this one for you. august 1999 metal hammer the front cover these are all bands who were not considered who w- were considered not worthy of the front cover. Um, Soulfly, System of a Down. There's a little picture of James Hetfield on the front there as well. These are all people that the it. Marilyn Manson. No, we're not supposed to mention him, but obviously he was very big. Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, yes. Typo negative. But who's on the front cover? Desfafara. Desfafara. <laughs> the front cover of Metal Hammer Magazine. Lest we forget, this is what I'm trying to say. Cold Chamber. Fafara stops the bullshit. Is what it says on the front cover. Dan Silver, who was a you know a big writer for Hammer in the in yeah, the nineties. Huge the, the, the headline says, Will the real Deserfira please stand up? And this is how Cold Chamber were being treated. Now I do remember, like I say, the original review, which I couldn't unfortunately find of Cold Chamber, Cold Chamber in Metal Hammer. Dan Silver wrote they they used to a thing where they'd get an opinion and then get a kind of counter opinion i remember dan silver doing the counter opinion of the cold Chain album which got an all right review in hammer and basically i think give it like two out of ten or something he was like this is fucking rubbish it's rubbish and um this is i'm going to just pick a few potted highlights from this to illustrate a couple of things which we'll talk about at the end uh it starts like this Cold Chamber, you either love them or think they're the worst example yet of the cynical music industry hyping very little style over even less substance, either embracing the quartet as inspirationally simulating entertainers or deriding them as the garish clowns mugging their way through their requisite 15 minutes of fame. What with their painfully now image and sound and conveniently unisex appeal, you could be forgiven for thinking that Cold Chamber are metal's answer to steps. (laughs) Wow. Um, (laughs) Well, they do both have songs called Tragedy. They do, yes, yes. He goes on to say, and then there's Head Goon Des, a man variously described as the technical jolt in the arm that metal's drab and charisma-devoid pre-millennial scenes so desperately needs, or alternatively, a lucked-out chancer who looks like the result of a tragic accident involving a Broadmoor inmate, several tins of paint, and a shopping trolley, and is old enough to be your dad, role model for a generation, or charlatan fleecing the gullible all that he can now on the eve of the release of the band's all important second album chamber music will the real Cold chamber please stand up that is the opening paragraph of the cover story of metal hammer magazine (laughs) now i don't need to tell you renfrey but i may need to tell some of you listening that were say i charged with as i was doing the baby metal feature that i recently did for metal hammer had I have written something going, baby metal, aren't they just a bunch of fucking pop tarts who are <laughs> desperately trying to bandwagon hop onto the world of heavy metal? I would have been told in no uncertain terms, you can't do that. Probably don't do that, and we're yeah. not going to print that. So that goes to show how different the music press used to be a little bit. I think there's good sides to that and bad sides to that. Like, we've we've hanged on about this a little bit, like how,
1: like, we want to be as honest as possible with our opinion and all that sort of thing. And, and you know, there's certainly a sense that um, people's true opinions are truncated somewhat um, because they're fearful that bands won't do covers for their magazines or whatever. I mean, that's kind of dissipating as magazines are dissipating. But certainly you seem to get a lot more uh, honest opinion online than you do in magazines, I would say, generally these days. But what I would say is I think it's a bit sort of unfair to like mock the image and like the age and shit like that in that way well you're
0: not going to like this next bit then okay okay we'll see what happens because well, okay. i think at this point i'm like oh bloody hell
1: yeah he's got he's... my attention yeah yeah yeah, he's got my attention definitely
0: and this is where it goes from getting my attention to actually going mm, i used to think Dan. well i think dan silver was a good writer i do hmm. i do think dan silver was, a good, was a good writer i think this is incredibly inappropriate Hmm. And I think this is incredibly unprofessional. What happens next? See what you think. Wednesday, May 27th, 1998. While chilling out at London's grimy garage in the company of the helicopters and several pints of lager, I'm accosted by a shortish chap with, it must be said, rather manky green hair and assorted bric-a-brac hanging from his face, neck, jacket, and just about anywhere else bits of jewellery can be attached, and to some places where they shouldn't. Amid the general hubbub and raucous rock and roll emanating from the stage, it becomes clear that said chap is not best pleased with me, his finger constantly jabbing out in my direction, and due to the considerable height difference between us, landing somewhere near my stomach, as he proceeds to belligerently bait me about something I'd written about his band in Metal Hammer some months before. For a moment, the situation could go either way, with both parties residing on the nastier side of alcohol-induced merriment. Words and views are heatedly exchanged before, as suddenly as it started, the confrontation calls. The little fella can seize my Points and decides to buy me another drink rather than force me to wear one. This was my first and until now only encounter with Coal Chamber singer Des Vifara. Um, I don't care about what happened with you and Des Vifara, To be honest, hmm. I don't want to read that.
1: I, t- I, I mean, it feels like a character assassination. You know, I mean that th- those things may be true. Like right? they, they might have actually happened.
0: We've had similar-ish experiences, I think, maybe, potentially. Yeah. We
1: might have mentioned
0: them on the show. I don't know. Well, I've had a thing. People have always gone, oh, tell us about the thing that happened with Matt Tuck. I would never have, you know, I wouldn't be able to put that thing about Matt Tuck in print. I mean, if I was mm-hmm. going to write a feature about Bullet for my Valentine and I'm writing it for Metal Hammer, I'm supposed to be Metal Hammer, not me. And I think that, like, we've had these conversations, you know, like, the vines springs instantly to mind. Ian Winwood's quite excellent feature on the Vines, where he went to do the feature, and Craig from the Vines didn't want to play ball and have that conversation with him. Uh-huh. This is like, I mean, literally a year later. He goes Wednesday, 27th of May, 1998, Friday, 30th of April, 1990, on a year on, and I found myself in the mixer room of Los Angeles Laboratory Studio opposite my would be assailant once again. I'm not sure you need to, I mean, the whole, literally, the whole, I would say probably the first four or five hundred words of this is just him sparring with Des Fafara it's about his personal beef I'll read a little bit more of it as we're going into it despite my warm and considerably unexpected hug that greeted my rival the atmosphere is virgin on frosty not helped by the opaque bug-eyed sunglasses covering Des's eyes that render it nigh on impossible to read his reactions to anything I throw at him and as he and his entourage are all too aware my opinions on cold chamber are roughly the same as my opinions on diarrhoea, mouldy fruit and spiders and just to help matters I've accused him of acting like a rock star that fateful night actually he replies in a considered and thoughtful manner that was pretty honest behavior i went up to you in a pub in your town and said why did you write that fucking article i thought that was really honest because most people would have just snubbed you not only was it honest but i think it came across very gentlemanly and i think you came off very gentlemanly too i remember that evening very vividly most people wouldn't care and then dan silver says and most people wouldn't create such a scene in public the point is, I get friendly with people, then I hear that you write what you write and it's almost like, fuck, he was almost my friend and he wrote this about me and now maybe I won't be your friend anymore. We'll just do an interview. But instead of doing that and being a rock star, I came up to you and was a gentleman and asked what was wrong and you gave, and gave you your fucking pick on it. I admired it and we ended up having pints. That's not how I am, man. If I didn't like you, I'll tell you and that was what was really cool, what we did not for the first time that afternoon I catch myself considerably reforming my opinion of Des Fafara so towards the end he's like oh I'm so shocked that Des Fafara is actually quite a nice dude now I was sort of going to say this for the end what I will say is I'm, and I think in 2021 looking at that you're like yeah I think everybody knows that at this point Des Fafara is like a fucking diamond right? Yeah that, that's his
1: reputation I've never actually had the pleasure of speaking to Des but you've spoken to him a few times haven't you?
0: Oh, I, I I absolutely love him hmm He's like legitimately one of the nicest people, not even in music, in a band, like literally one of the nicest people I've ever yeah. met in my whole life.
1: He has a very good reputation. Yeah. Very, yeah. very good.
0: He's probably the most honestly nicest person in a band. I mm. reckon if you're going to put together like who are the nicest people in bands, mm. Des would be way, way up the top. He'd mm. probably yeah be in the top like three. Wow okay he's fucking lovely Hmm. he's absolutely fucking lovely i guess no one really knew that back then because they just saw the guy with all the piercings and but as i read that i'm like yeah everybody knows this about des that he's really nice i mean that doesn't mean that this album's any better or that Cold chamber are a good band or whatever but i mean talk about getting the fucking knives out for anyone as it goes on it's more and more and more of like a lot of prodding by dan silver a lot of prodding you know there's one point where he says oh Jonathan Davis and Chino Moreno don't have to go all through this all the time so you know why, why are you so desperate to prove that you're an artist I mean he's deliberately making a point of going well Chino Moreno and Jonathan Davis are better than you aren't they they don't dress up like this they don't do that and I sort of was like oh He's not wrong. <laughs>
1: he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not. He's I mean, not wrong. it's a hell of a thing to say to the person in question, um yeah. but but he's he, about at the same time he's not wrong. But it's like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but is that really relevant to the?
1: Yeah, 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 no, totally. You know, I
0: just think it isn't
1: so much. I mean, it sounds like to me that that entire article. So he's put that encounter in the UK in to to show the juxtaposition between that and then at the end of it going you know at the end of the day i could like whatever i think about their music and stuff like fair play to Des you know, I suppose that's the angle that's been put on the article. So I suppose from that point of view, I can understand why that's been put in there. It does feel somewhat self-indulgent to me, but then a lot of music criticism, like a lot of music press and music criticism was very self-indulgent back in the 90s. There's some things that we heart back and go, oh, wasn't that awesome about music criticism in the 90s? But we actually, I think more often than not, we actually do moan about some of the shit that was said um in the 90s especially when we go to like enemy and shit like that i think metal hammer around this time did struggle a bit with that sort of thing
0: uh yeah right metal hammer like when you look back like people say about how great metal hammer was back then and i don't want to shit on anyone who wrote in there but you know they talk about this sort of the the new album and des mentions sex pistols Bauhaus, specimen alien sex fiend iron maiden judas priest motley Crue, adam and the ants the cure like as influences for the record so i think there's a whole thing with like we are stepping away from new metal and that's what chamber music was sort of trying to be (sighs) i've read a lot of this i'm going to read the very very last little bit of this feature because i think it's quite interesting as a joyful conclusion as this is to reach, the arch cynic embedded deep within me can't shake a nagging suspicion that all of this is a little bit too clinical. Perhaps the next logical jump in Cole Chamber's outrageous courtship of the media and the constant battle to bridge the credibility gap. But for now, I'll go with it. You know, I think we were credible with the people we wanted to be credible with, and I think now we're going to be credible with everybody, considers Des. There's a lot of bands that are going to hear what we're doing and go, oh shit, they did it. They came up with a unique sound in a time and day when you can't do it. We did it, and it's in the rock genre, which is amazing. And like I said, it's a brave move. We don't want to be hip-hopsters. We're out of here. Crikey. He might be a lovely man, but he is quite delusional.
1: <laughs> yes. I would say. I, I mean, you know, like I say, I've not met Des. I'm sure he. I'm, I, I'm. sure he's absolutely fantastic. But that is not
0: the way that the world perceives chamber music en masse, I would say. <laughs> No, no. Now, we're setting this up with a bit of context. Just, I think, to prove... Cold Chamber got built up. Rightly or wrongly, they got built up. And they got fucking dragged down very, very, very quickly. If we go into the reviews now, there aren't really many reviews from the time that I could find online. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the Kerrang! review, which I think was pretty sniffy about it. I did find the old Metal Hammer review, though. And um, I will happily read all of that out to you if you like cool yeah please Neil Kakani in Metal Hammer said this about chamber music yeah I'm having it I'm having it because it rocks, I'm having it because it amuses me, I'm having it because I find Cold Chamber laughable and inspirational in equal measures, and both are as essential to the pop fix they provide. Talk to any of Cold Chamber's fans and you find yourself waiting for their faces to crack, waiting for them to admit how damn difficult it is to take them seriously. Fact is, it was difficult to take the untextured nastiness of their eponymous debut without cracking a grin. Difficult to read about them without seeing them as no different to the pierced up pissheads and stoners we all are. A band so close to the ground, so indistinguishable from their audience, the temptation is to dismiss them as fly-by-night chancers. A mistake, because it's the transitory, ethereal nature of Coal Chamber. Their sound is their saving grace. Yeah, they can change their hair colour every two weeks and the kind of music they like changes with it if you can't say the same you're not a pop fan and there's no room for you in cold Cha- in chamber music's insta fix parade slip it under the tongue and buzz just don't let your life depend on it sure they've gone goth There's synths and lyrics here featuring Cher's son <laughs> and I'm not making this up, that would make a Nephilim fan blush. There's stabs at techno, home, as skewiff as it is, unmiss- unmissably visceral. There's a cover of Peter Gabriel's Shock the Monkey that piles on Rifola with demented glee until the song absconds for a writhing pile of gang banging guitar. There's a ballad called Tyler's Song that is so straight faced, so pompously pumped full of old school metal passion, it damn near breaks your heart. Best of all, there's Des Fafara's hilarious attempts throughout the sound. Like a seriously hardcore motherfucker with an A, um, when we all know he's a juvenile delinquent. It's the delicious gaps between cold chambers, self and aggrandizement, and their undoubted musical ability that provides the entertainment here. That and the sheer churning power of a band at full tilt. And the admittedly more classic rock timber of much of chamber music is a stroke of genius. It enables a touch with atmosphere and dynamics that is determinedly cartoonish, preposterously self-important and absolutely absorbing throughout. Somebody shove this through a remix mangler and make something incredible, please. As it is, chamber music has enough thrills and spills to see us all through until that tour. Get your spandex ready. One hit wonders, no chance. 8 out of 10 from Mel Hammer
1: that is a, music. a beguiling review um, the things that it references there the term classic rock and chamber music should not be put together in, in any way shape or form I think sometimes we do like we've talked about it with Robert Christogu a lot sometimes where you just sort of read something and you go the information in that is just incorrect like where do you see that lineage where do you see that line I just cannot see it at all and um there's a lot of shit in there i'm really this is starting to come up as like a repeated theme as well but i'm really disappointed at the amount like yes Cole chamber's image was very cartoony and it was something it was a uh, stick that was used to beat them quite a bit as time went on but metal's meant to be the music of the outsider and it's really fucking disappointing to see so many people like mock the image when you know, that, that is seen as, like, part of an outsider image aesthetic. I, I, I get it. Like, you, you, you can argue that they look cartoony slash borderline silly, you know, if you really wanted to. But I don't know. Let's take a, a modern example. I mean, we've, we've described Loathe as looking like cartoon characters almost, but I think that's a good
0: thing. I think that's a great thing. It's so, fucking so important. You can yeah. think it looks cringy as fuck now. You can look back at old pictures of Cold Chamber and go, oh, my God, they look ridiculous. And ha, ha, ha. And you can laugh at Mudvay and you can laugh at... You can go, oh, Slipknot, oh, they're wearing Mars. And, oh, stupid, isn't it? But look at someone like Takeshi69. Nine. looks absolutely ridiculous. He's got yeah. bloody rainbow teeth and tattoos all over his face. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. he looks ridiculous, but he is bigger than any amount of black T-shirt... Slick back hair, sleeve tattoo, metalcore bands will ever be. Yeah, and a lot of that is because of his image. I guess. I guess I'm just trying to say there are
1: many things to criticise Cold Chamber for. To be to be totally honest, but I think criticising their image is is kind of like. It's too easy. Such a surface level thing to pick up on. You could argue that that's just a mirror image of Cold Chambers' music because it's all surface and absolutely no depth whatsoever. But you know, I just think I, th- I think that's pretty lame for a subculture and a and a, a, a music genre that is meant to be accepting of outsiders. Yeah, fuck that.
0: Yeah, it's not great. I mean, that that is a you know a positive review essentially um, it is yeah <laughs> Yeah. You played the album at a signing session at a Virgin Megastore in London before the Kerrang Awards in 1999 uh, I remember and reading about that yeah yeah and, th- th- and this is interesting because I think this is where we get a slightly more honest appraisal and what would probably uh, weirdly these people seem more kind of turned on to what was going on with the record than any of the shit I could find from the reviews I'm not going to read all of them but I will read a few people Uh, and who who I think have said something that is sort of interesting. So there's someone called Holly, who's 17, from Forest Hill, who said, it's uh, very loud. I don't know the first album that well, but it definitely sounds like the band have moved on. All of the albums that are being released at the moment, this sounds the best, but I don't have much money, so I'm not sure whether I'll buy it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, Holly. That's good. Laura English is 18 from Dagenham. Says, it sounds a lot calmer than their first album. Definitely a lot easier to listen to. I've only got the first album on tape, but from what I heard, I don't think this is as good. I think they might attract a wider age group now, though or 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 nobody at all um spike who is 15 from muswell hill in london said his name's not spike his name's not spike no you should see him as well it's not as intense and angry as the first album and i don't think that the new vocals suit the music that well i wasn't that impressed by what i've heard i've read a lot of interviews where des said he got more melodic vocal ability now but i don't think that really comes through tragedy is an awful song but a couple of others are better i'll probably tape it off someone before i buy it (laughs) Love the honesty there. Fair play, Spike. (laughs) Yeah, Queenie, who's 16 from Kent, says, To be honest, I wasn't that impressed with it. I didn't really like the sound of Des's voice, but I suppose I'll have to get into it myself and listen to it to give it a fair chance. It's pretty different from the first one, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Mm. Thoughts on that, Renfrey? Uh, Well, broadly agree. (laughs) Ruby from London, who is 17, says, It's not as good as the first album because Des's voice is shit. I was expecting it to be heavier and more melodic. Like everybody always says. I wonder, I wonder why you thought that. Is it because every single band say that all the time? But I'm not sure that it works. I'll buy it anyway. I have to. I've met them now. Fucking hell. <laughs> 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 that, that, that is like, Christ. I mean, if that didn't give you some idea of the fact that this album was in, like, you know, whatever the press said about it. It just wasn't going to happen. That is a pretty good indicator, I would say. Just to kind of finish up on it, the album hit a very respectable number 21 on the UK album chart.
1: What a bizarre logic. I've met them, so I have to buy it. I've met met members of uh, Five Finger Death Punch, but I don't feel the need to buy their entire discography.
0: (laughs) Maybe do I. I get it for free. Don't I? (laughs) What an insane... Sorry. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. Uh, It hit number 21 on the UK album chart, number 22 in the US Billboard top 200 uh their cover of shock the monkey reached number 83 on the uk single chart three places down from loco uh it sold two hundred fifty thousand copies in the united states of america which i don't know I, I sort of expected more than that to be perfectly honest it's not bad yeah, that's ha- half as many as the first record
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i mean i mean surely that would be seen as a disappointment but it's
0: um but anyway We've gone on quite a long time because, hey, we don't get many chances to chat Coal Chamber. Um, so Remfrey, Chamber Music by Coal Chamber. What do you think about this record? Well, look, first of all, I should say that um, I bought
1: this record um, back in the day. I actually, so Coal Chamber were playing the Anson Rooms in Bristol. And God, it would have been like the fifth or sixth gig I'd been to. Like I hadn't been to many shows at all but like all my friends were going, a friend of mine gave me a copy of the first album on tape and I was charmed by it initially. Like I said before, there's a sort of immediacy to Cole Chamber's music, which just sort of makes you want to move. That kind of same element that Sepultura have on Roots, I think Cole Chamber have a similar... Vibe that makes you want to dance, but certainly, you know, whilst I'm not in any way trying to insinuate that Cold Chamber, the first record, is as good as Roots or anything like that, I think it has that same kind of um, rootsy, groovy thing to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what they're they're clearly what they're aiming for. Yeah, exactly.
1: And I went to Virgin Megastore um, to pick up Chamber Music and bought it, brought it back home. And we've talked about this before, that whole thing of like buying a record and like even if you think it sucks, just trying to stick with it because the rigmarole of having to get the money to go back into town and take it back and then exchange it for something else, it's just a hassle to do that. Chamber Music is one of the first records that I remember taking back to the shop and asking for a refund because I had it for, I don't know, two weeks maybe three weeks listen to it every day as you tended to do when you got albums back then because you've actually paid what feels like a significant amount of money for it at the time because it was a significant amount of money for you when you're when you're young you know 13.99 i think i picked it up
0: for did you party like it was (laughs) 13.99
1: Uh, well I wish I I wish I could um, but the music didn't really inspire me to do that um, one thing that I w- but th- the thing is, is because I used to own this album and there was a period of time where I listened to it every day going back to it now I had a weird nostalgia thing for it and I will say this before I go in and tear it apart I will say I was surprised at how much I enjoyed going back to this record, but I think that is purely nostalgia and I don't think I enjoyed it because it's good, if that makes sense.
0: I don't think you enjoyed it because it's good, no. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Even, anyone who enjoys it, they're not enjoying it because it's good. No, Definitely quite, not. Quite, quite, quite,
1: So um, whilst the foundation of this record broadly is that duh, 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 new metal sound thing, that I was talking about before. That's the foundation of the record, and they do keep going back to it throughout. You do have to give some credit to Cold Chamber because they have undoubtedly attempted to branch out from what they were doing on the first album somewhat. Unfortunately, I think what Chamber music showed to the world is that Cold Chamber just aren't much good at anything at doing anything beyond... ..kind of thing, you know? And and, and even that form of new metal, like they're hardly the best at it, are they? I've just mentioned Sepultura, Mm. Roots. (laughs) Like, if you want the best example of that new metal to groove your arse to, to groove your arse to, unusual, um, Roots by Sepultura is probably your best bet. Certainly better than Gold Chamber. And it's interesting, there was a huge list of bands that Des Fafara mentioned, like The Cure... And all like so many, many bands that influence this record. And ninety percent of them, I was just like, well, I don't hear any of that at all. I mean, you may well listen to those bands, but that influence has not con- gone into this record at all. Um The Cure is one of the few ones where I'm like, okay, I can see tiny, tiny little elements of the Cure's music, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is a lot of this is just massively derivative of predominantly corn. It's kind of interesting hearing people say that Des vocals are so much worse on this record than the first album. I don't think they're much the same really. Um, There was a lot of talk of him going to a vocal coach and making his vocals even better. I I, I don't think he actually had any effect at all. (laughs) I think he sounds Uh, exactly
0: the same, more or less. It's the... um the The odd melodic part that he tries to do I think is is, mm. is is the problem um I mean going through it kind of track by track, I think you've got tragedy, which is the sort of classic new metal bluster with no real song underpinning it. The vocoder, which I think was trying to be futuristic back in 99, sounds incredibly dated today. It's such a
1: shame that the first lyric on this record uh, is, uh, cynics in Christ, like hypocrites, how they stick to you, like glue. it's just like, fuck it out you're opening your record with that? That is appalling. And the amount of Jonathan Davis mannerisms that he is doing in that mm-hmm. line alone in, in the entire record but it is like okay you are full on ripping jonathan davis off here
0: yeah i think el kukai has uh as a, a quite a distinct groove and bounce to it but this is i think the problem with just with Cold chamber the chorus just doesn't work it's just a clunky chorus i don't think the rest of the song is majorly terrible but the hooks so many of the hooks on this record are bad they're bad hooks untrue is practically like you said freak on the leash not only are they doing corn they're doing what corn had done a year before to yeah. try and move themselves away from what was already becoming quite a packed arena yeah. of quite kind of derivative corn copier so they're now coming in and then where is freak on the leash lets the tension sort of simmer for a second and then explode here it's just some clunky awful chorus comes in no build up no suggestion anything good's going to happen just and it's not good and the melodic parts are bad and it just sounds all kind of wrong
1: the best thing i can say about the el kukoi chorus is it it's sort of dumb fun in a rob zombie kind of way but it's not done with the no. level of 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 greatness that rob zombie ex- does most of the time again
0: know. tyler's song no hooks where's your mind is it a rap one i mean not yeah. really but it's more like something from the first album where you hear Cold chamber just being i mean it's like we've sort of said it already but they are they were so rudimentary as a group of musicians yeah nobody seemed to be not even excelling just not even just not even good not even vaguely good at their chosen instrument. And that's not strictly a problem. Like You don't actually have to be technically good to have the imagination to write good music. But when you don't have the imagination to write songs, but you're also bad at your instruments, and there's no interest in instrumental parts to it either... That is a really bad combination. We've slagged off Dream Theater because we don't really like them. And we sometimes go, no, I just don't think the hooks are... You know, we struggle with, like, the vocals. And at least Dream Theater's music sounds good. Do you know what I mean? At least it sounds interesting. And, like, the players are clearly... And if you're interested in that sort of thing, I can absolutely see why you love Dream Theater. I can't see what you're getting from Cold Chamber at all. Like, I just don't see it. In terms of incorrect opinions,
1: if anyone was to say that the musicians in dream theatre aren't talented that would be a incorrect opinion. Like of course of they're incredibly talented.
0: Incredibly talented. And if you enjoy the sound of people being proficient on their instruments, You'll then yes, you yeah. can you can enjoy dream theatre. But but, but there's you know a lot but then, more to music than that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then if you like the sound of just a great song, and it doesn't matter if that person is good on the instruments or not, you could listen to the Sex Pistols or Daniel Johnston. Yeah. They yeah. write great songs, but they're not very good musicians yeah. in the classic sense of the term. Cold Chamber and neither of those things and that is a problem um, that's a
1: huge problem a yeah.
0: huge problem and and you just get you know i'm sort of plodding through this gets to not live i'm just like it's so this is barely even a song it's, it's hardly even noise i like I just, what is this it's nothing it's just nothing i think just to pick up on your point, point about the hooks
1: the hooks are so basic and so rudimentary and i, I believe that's by design i, I think that des for far has gone I want to write something simple which can be picked up by an audience and sung back or screamed back, you know, the second or third time they've heard it. And most of the hooks on this record in theory can be sung back the first time you've heard them, but that doesn't make them good. It's n- it's not that in and of itself. It's not the instantaneous quality that makes a hook good. And so many of the hooks are so similar, like they're so similar to one another. Um for an album it's 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 such a bizarre album in in so many ways because it is trying to be broad and yet failing miserably. And yet there are points where things come in and I you, you're about to get onto Shock wow. the Monkey, are you not? Shock the Monkey. Fuck me.
0: Shock the Monkey. Now, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell this is a bad cover isn't it i mean let's start like poor ozzy sounds like he's been kidnapped and sort of woken up at 6am and just thrown into a vocal booth and forced to do it
1: i mean that's probably not a million miles away from the truth like sharon probably won come on ozzy you've got to sing for my new band I mean, you know, like, I, I, there's no massive secret that that's how it happened. Like, Sharon Osborne yeah. was managing them, you know, and Ozzy Osbourne probably didn't have a fucking clue who they were, didn't really care. I was one of those people who went on for years and years, maybe a decade or so, um, and being like, I don't really get the Ozzy Osbourne thing he's a crap singer now i look back at that and i think that's a little bit overly simplistic i, I don't think ozzy Osbourne is a great technical singer and i think the people who try to argue that certainly
0: is, at, the, at this point certainly in the in the when you get to the late 90s and beyond ozzy is really sort of he becomes a bit of a parody of himself at this point right i, I
1: look i don't think ozzy osborne has ever been a great technical singer to to be totally honest with you. But I was, you know, missing, like, I was completely missing the fact the charisma that he brings and, like, he has a um, very unique presence on stage and yada, yada, yada. But I think Shock the Monkey is predominantly responsible for me thinking that Ozzy Osbourne was a crap vocalist for about a decade or so. I mean, I was aware of Black Sabbath and I'd heard bits and pieces in the background and stuff, but Shock the Monkey was probably the first Ozzy Osbourne thing that I'd sat down and actually listened to. And there was definitely a feeling of like, why is this guy so revered? And it's uh, shocked the monkey's fault that it took me quite a long time to get into Black Sabbath. So fuck you, Cold Cheaper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, look, the, 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 we've spoken a little bit about the new metal 80s pop song cover uh, phenomenon that happened. But I mean, if you know the original Peter Gabriel song, which I do... And I'm assuming you've heard as well, Renfrew. Um I listen. I actually hadn't heard it until we did this, but I went
1: back and listened to it.
0: It's a very good song. I think it is a really good song, and um, I think it's been ruined for me by this cover version. I, I mean, I, I, was I certainly, say, yeah. I certainly
1: prefer the Peter Gabriel version, um, yeah. even with all its '80s pomp and production, which is not. Generally, the sort of thing that I like, but I uh, this hearing this version first, uh, I, I, I'm not going to say it's not a good song, but it is
0: completely ruined it. <laughs> I mean, there are some songs that were covered in that new metal 80s covering thing Cars Shout. Yeah. Um, I would chuck in, and no one did this, I think, well, apart from Real Big Fish, but Take On Me, I think, would have suited uh, a new metal um <laughs> reappropriation because of the da da did the yeah. first ever beatdown um, and you go well they could really work as metal songs but some of the songs from the 80s just it's never gonna work it's never gonna work in a new metal setting Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush or Don't Give Up is not gonna work right and that's another Peter Gabriel thing Life Is What You Make It by Talk Talk ne- it would yeah. never work yeah. Reward by yeah. The Teardrop Explodes would never work in a new metal setting I mean, obviously, like, Limp Bizkit were doing a kind of muggy version of Faith, a kind of tongue-in-cheek jokey. They obviously kicked this whole thing off. You could look at something like Blue Monday and go, "Ah, I can see how putting guitars more, making that more guitar heavy could work. Yeah. right. I know Orgy ruined it, it, but it's not great. (laughs) But it's better than Shock the Monkey. Definitely. But there are some where you just go, just shouting all over... Eleanor Rigby or While My Guitar Gently Weeps I mean to pick Spine Shank and Godhead I I would listen to Shock the Monkey and at no point would I go this would make a really good metal song I think you can listen to some pop songs and go you know what if you turn the fucking distortion up on that if you made you know like made an aggressive version of the chorus you could make this a good new metal song you could make a good sort of new metal pop banger out of this but Shock the Monkey is not one of those songs
1: the thing is, is this became a thing for new metal bands to do, cover songs from the 80s. It became a formula. It became, let's just take a song from the 80s and let's put new metal-esque guitars over it and do some weird sort of shouty, rappy, scatty vocals over it. It is a formula. It's formulaic and barely any of them worked and there was this some some sort of unwritten... Written code or something that, like, you had to do that in order to be considered a new metal band or a decent new metal band, and it was just fucking stupid. Just bands blindly going into it and feeling like they had to do it because. Why? I don't know. Because the record company would tell them, "Oh, you could have a really big hit with this."
0: Yeah, you know exactly.
1: And, a, and for a lot of those people, it was their biggest hit. Here's an interesting thing: "Shock the Monkey" is the fifth most popular Carl Chamber song on Spotify.
0: What the fuck? I'm going to get Peter Gabriel up on Spotify, right? Yeah. And "Shock the Monkey" is not in the top Peter Gabriel songs, right? And you've just said it yourself, Remfrey. You you'd never listen to the Peter Gabriel original, no. Nope. Like it's a Peter Gabriel song, and if you're a fan of Peter Gabriel and if you remember that stuff, like when you're picking Cars or Another Brick in the Wall, as Korn later did, or Word Up, like Korn did, or Faith by George Michael, or Blue Monday, you mm. are picking massive songs mm. that people go, Ah, yes, I know that one. Shout by Tears of Fears, Land of Confusion by Genesis. Everybody knows it. Mm. Everybody knows those songs. Not everybody knows Shock the Monkey. No, so it's too. like here's our shot at being at do, like at doing the big 80s pop cover the easy way to get a big hit yeah well you've got to pick you've got to pick a big hit it, it, as, as i said before it's a weird thing
1: in that this album does feel very samey throughout but then it then they chuck in things like like shock the monkey does not work on the album it feels like you're suddenly listening to a
0: completely
1: different album and it, and it totally takes you out of it. And I remember feeling that way back in nineteen ninety nine or two thousand, whenever I bought it. And I very much felt that way now. Like it, it's just it's just when they do go into different experimental realms, rather than go, oh, this is interesting, it's a bit different, because they're incapable of making them any good. It just kind of throws you, and it just it feels like a really weird, odd, uncomfortable listen. And not in a good way, not in like a daughter's way <laughs> or something. No,
0: it's very, very bad. This and just to give, finish up on the, on the to, to hammer home my point. Peter Gabriel, a massive artist, shot the monkey, got to number fifty-eight in the UK singles chart, got to number twenty-nine in the US. So it wasn't a massive, massive. This is not covering "Beat It," you know what? Do you know what I mean? Or "Fucking Take on Me" or something like that. This is not a massive. So a really, really odd. Thing to do, and you're right. It just doesn't fit in in the album. It doesn't sound like them. I mean, obviously, it isn't
1: their song, but it mm. doesn't sound like them at all. It's an absolute travesty that cover.
0: And it's almost like they try and kind of bridge that gap by putting in uh, Amy Echo popping up on Burgundy, yeah, which is just, it's just like. That what have you done for me lately? Bit makes my sphincter tighten with how bad yeah, it is, yeah. and nothing happens on that song. It's nothing happens on that song. Burgundy
1: is awful. It's like two two and a half minutes or something like that. Just just under yeah. just under, and I think that's an example of them trying to do something a bit more experimental and a little bit weirder and a little bit unusual. But just like pretty much everything on this album, there's just no fucking depth to it. Like you only need to listen to it one time through to get everything you could possibly get from it um and yeah. it's boring and it's dull and it's them trying to be kind of i don't know atmospheric and strange and weird and there's no like real distortion on it or anything like that
0: but it just sounds crap it's rubbish yeah and i mean i mean i think we're gonna have to fucking skip to the end at this point because it becomes an absolute blancmange of oh, the same thing
1: my heart sank when you said we're gonna go through this track by track
0: i was like, yeah. really? No, fuck that. Um <laughs> I mean Feed My Dreams I think might be the worst riff on the record but then I was like how can I even tell Am I, I mean it's just losing the plot you're 11 tracks in and you're just like end this fucking record Yeah. end this fucking record but you've still got five more songs you get Amy Echo coming back on My Mercy which is at least a little bit different I'm actually not going to shit on that too much I don't think it's a great song but at least it does try and incorporate those kind of 80s gothic influences a little bit I mean No Home you get back into very atypical coal chamber sound and you think well it's not too bad but it's five minutes long uh, five minutes yeah. don't need a cold chamber song to be five minutes and there's stuff at the end like notion i actually listened to notion i was like i don't think this is too bad but it's just my patience has been ripped to shreds by the time notion comes in where if that was the first song i'd go that's not actually that bad but it's been so long that i'm just like okay well this isn't that bad but please just stop you need to stop
1: Weirdly, I agree with you. I think there's a little period between No Home, Home, "Sherry Vegas, and Notion. Now, I wouldn't say those three songs are good songs, but I do think all three of them have, like, bits and pieces where I go, you've got a kernel of a decent idea there which could have been built on and you could have actually made a a really good song uh, out of that if um, you were more capable. Uh, No Home is one of the few points on the record where it goes a little bit experimental, a little bit different to the first yeah, album. Yeah, there's
0: a little, mi- little mid-section breakdown yeah, part. Yeah, there's an
1: extended mid-section breakdown part where it goes a little bit like, um, well, it's clean guitars rather than like, <laughs> this is the thing. Even the experiments, I'm doing air quotes there, aren't mm. that experimental on here. But, you know, they, they're trying. And I actually think, you're right, No Home is way too long, but I I... I like I don't know if I was producing this record if I was helping them out with this record or whatever I would have gone do something with that build on that because that is more interesting we are always encouraging bands to do different things and try different stuff and and Cold Chain would do that to an extent on this record but they just prove how stunningly unversatile they are <laughs> that's that that is the fundamental flaw with this record they tried doing something a little bit different, not wildly different, let's face it, that list of bands that Desafari mentioned, I mean that is insane, some of the stuff that he was saying that they were influenced by they're attempting something different but it is an utter shambles and an utter failure because of the individual talents of each member of the band being shockingly low
0: And they fucking muck around, even on uh, Anything But You, which ends the record, they have a bit, and then they muck around for ages, just end the fucking... I was actually shouting at my stereo, like, just end the fucking album, (laughs) end this record. I've never... Even these long... Some of these long-ass, boring, instrumental fucking records that we've had, I've been like, oh, this is two hours, and it goes on, and Jesus Christ, this is really testing my patience. Like Even when I listen to stuff like that sometimes, I've never actually audibly shouted at my stereo before but i was just like <laughs> just end this fucking record please like you, it's done it's done too long no ideas too wacky trying to be too ambitious which shouldn't really be a problem but actually make it one just too dumb and far 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 too often a mess yeah. a stinking rubbish mess of a yeah. record. this is the interesting thing
1: isn't it because it's um the the, the normal version of this record is 16 songs long and fifty-five minutes and fourteen seconds, which is just I mean, there is so much guff on here. It is fucking stunning that no one at any point went, You wanna maybe like take a couple of these songs off? Not only that, I actually um obviously Roadrunner loved doing their old special editions and stuff like that. Let's release an album and wait for everyone to buy it and then six weeks later we'll re release it with two bonus tracks. I actually bought the deluxe edition of this record. So my version was
0: 18 songs and uh,
1: 61 minutes.
0: For me, a shorter sentence for drink driving than that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that is the thing. It really, it really drags this album. It really goes on. And and it's essentially just variations on the same thing over and over again with a couple of deviations very few of which actually work. Here's an interesting thing that I found out about this record. Troy Van Luen, who later went on to do mm-hmm. Perfect Circle and
0: mm-hmm. Queens of the Stone Age, play keyboards on this record. <laughs> which was just an interesting fact which I didn't know. Yeah, but it's not good this record. Um so let's get into the uh, let's get in, let's get into the aftermath of the record. Um Cold Chamber went out on tour with the Insane Clown Posse. As a- appropriate to be fair. Yeah not the most ridiculous thing really is it if you like shit music that's the tour of the year isn't it <laughs> oh poor i tell you what you're having the best day of your stupid worthless life aren't you <laughs> um um they went on tour with biohazard crazy bone twisted and minor self-indulgence uh, apparently the other bands were liked by audiences cold chamber was not imagine going i'm not going to go see that band because i don't like the support band but that is what insane clown posse suggested had been happening and i do remember the kind of cold chamber versus insane clown posse ruck that was going on um and um they uh, by all accounts decided to have cold chamber eliminated from the tour now i couldn't find anything about this but i am very very sure very sure that there was some sort of on stage kerfuffle between insane clown posse and cold chamber back in the day or something happened and cold chamber went right fuck this and they just quit um And there is a clip that you can actually find on YouTube of Insane Clown Posse talking about Cold Chamber being pussies and um, pussying out of the tour. Cold Chamber decided to file a lawsuit for breach of contract for Insane Clown Posse kicking them off the tour and ruining their touring plans for supporting Chamber music, which is... I don't know I, I don't know whose side I'm on Are uh, of those two probably because I like Des I'm probably on Cole Chambers' side really but um,
1: it's like two shitty Big Brother contestants having a fight
0: isn't it it's a little bit like, yeah but I tell you I I do remember and you know I think this is probably again more to do with the other members of the bands more than it probably would be Des but I do also remember the tour where Cold Chamber. (laughs) This tour was going to come over to the UK. It ended up not coming over to the UK. But do you remember this tour, Renfrey, in the US? Cold Chamber, supported by Machine Head, Slipknot, and Amen. I mean, you do not want to be Cold Chamber on that tour. No. I mean, you don't really want to be Cold Chamber, but you don't want to be. (laughs) But, like, imagine, like, Amen on their first album, Fired Up to Fuck. Slipknot on Slipknot. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Machine Head. Yeah. It, fucking Machine Ed. I know they're on the burning red, but Machine Ed one of the most reliable bands in metal, live. Yep. And then you've got to go on after that. They ended up kicking Amen off that tour and Machine Ed and Slipknot apparently talked a lot of shit about Cold Chamber around that time as well. <laughs> if you if well, I do remember again I don't have any evidence of that. But I do remember that happening. I do remember that like it felt like Machine Ed, Slipknot and Amen were like kind of pissed off for cold chamber for whatever reason i would imagine cold chamber were pretty annoyed because they were getting their fucking ass handed to them every single fucking night of that tour anyway uh that was meant to come over to the uk unsurprisingly it didn't um instead machine ed uh came over and toured, and they were going to bring amen but amen couldn't get over for some reason and Slipknot played the astoria which i was at and i think um that's been mentioned a few times since that gig. And Coal Chamber, rather than coming over, uh, supported by Machine Ed, Amen, and Slipknot, actually did another Kerrang X Fest only two years after they headlined the Astoria themselves. They did two nights at Astoria supporting, says co headlining, but supporting Typo Negative. Static X were meant to open the show. They pulled out because they were playing some TV show in America. So far from the progression. That chamber music was meant to bring about it instead saw Cold Chamber opening a gig at a venue that they'd headlined two years prior, almost two years to the day, yeah. to the day as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, give give or
1: take a couple of weeks, which is you know pretty unceremonious
0: dump from grace, isn't it? It is a little For bit. Chamber yeah. Music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rainer, their bassist, found God and left the band full time. Was replaced by Nadja Pullin. Um, she of standing in for Raina while she was pregnant and having a child. Um, yeah. Dark Days, their third album, came out in 2002, and it had their best song on it, Fiend. I think that is their best song, personally. It's their fourth biggest song on Spotify.
1: I don't well, think fine. I even Fiend listened
0: to it. Fiend for the like, fire, for the Don't know if that's the words, but that's what it sounds like.
1: Why, why
0: you know, life is short. Why waste your time listening to cold chamber it's the connoisseurs cold chamber song i have to say the tide had turned dramatically away from new metal by that point though hadn't it like if it was kind of going that way in 1999 by 2002 it's in a bad place and even spooky core i think as a genre was stalling at that point as well which you know none of us saw coming (laughs) (laughs) i remember dark days um I remember the, there
1: was a lot of press around it. It, be, it not, you know, they were saying very clearly, "Oh, it's not a new metal record. We've changed." Blah 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 blah. I don't know how true or not that was. But did you ever listen? Never to listened to involved? it. Never
0: listened to it. I just know the song yeah. "Fiend." It reached number thirty-four in the US, number forty-three in the UK, but amazingly, this is mad. Went to number one in New Zealand and the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, yeah. right. you know but that's you, the, so- the song not the album
0: the no the album oh fuck me the album wow. number one album in two countries Dark Days New Zealand and the Netherlands Mental that's strange that was wow. strange okay. uh, the band went out on tour and uh, we're in a pretty bad place at this point fighting, substance abuse bad feeling towards each other Uh they actually split up after guitarist Meigs hit Dez on the head with his guitar uh in a show in Lubbock Texas Um Dez stormed off stage saying that this is the last ever Cold Chamber show and the band tried to continue that show with Meeks front in the band which nobody could wow. possibly want to see surely uh, at the end of that <laughs> show drummer Mike Bugcock smashed up his kit and um, even though the band did manage to patch things up enough to go on a little tour with American Head Charge and they actually played Fiend on a show called Last Call with Carson Daly it's oh. on YouTube if you want to watch it it's actually they're, they're alright on it it does look really weird something which is so quintessentially 90s existing in the noughties, new yeah. metal, which I think is sort of really belongs in the 90s, particularly cold chamber, looks really out of place on something which is starting. You know, when things started to look like the noughties, you're like, This is yeah. weird, this is like some sort of back to back to the future, it's like some sort of yeah. weird time traveling thing. Um, they did a, a little tour of the American Hair Charge, and then that was it. The band split, and of course, des went on and formed Devil Driver, and slowly but surely built himself up and has had a really, really successful career doing Devil Driver and has um, a very different opinion than I think anyone ever would have imagined of Desafara. That's why when you read that Dan Silver interview about, oh Desafaro, he does this and he does that, it does feel like he's talking about somebody completely different because the Des Fafari of twenty twenty one is a beloved character and is known as a great human being and a really interesting person and someone who does like lots of different you know, even though, you know, we aren't often particularly enamoured with the kind of more stompy meat and potato stuff, I think even both of us have a bit of a soft spot for Devil Driver and certainly a soft spot for Dez. I mean look, as one of the people who's com- constantly
1: complaining about that meat and potatoes stumpy stumpy stuff, I will say I think Devil Driver at their best are really fucking good at it, I mean Pray for Villains is a fucking wicked record, like it is really really good, they do do it to a very high standard that kind of thing. And when I am in the mood for that, Devil Driver are one of those bands that I will reach for.
0: Okay. Cold Chamber formed in 2011. Not really sure why. Don't know who saw that coming. Felt that like was it Insane. Might, it? It, but they played in, in Australia. And I think they're obviously a lot bigger in Australia. And it wasn't really the big deal that, again, you know, like to kind of hammer home the point, it wasn't really a big deal for the majority of people, I don't think. But, you know, back when this album came out and Cold Chamber on the front cover of Hammer, front cover of Kerrang!, People were saying they were going to be the future of metal, like all this kind of stuff. Back then, you'd, you would have assumed that Cold Chamber would have gone on to become one of metal's more, more definitive, significant bands. It didn't happen. And I think their position on the download 2013 bill, second from bottom on the main stage, would suggest that the world pretty much had forgotten about them. There was no grand Limp Biscuit style return for, for Cold no, Chamber when, when that no. happened.
1: They came back to London in 2015 and they played Coco when they'd um, done Rivals you know which is okay but it's about 1400s capacity yeah and the Astoria was two wasn't it so most of the time when bands come back they end up playing much much bigger places than they did because it's like nostalgia and people miss them blah 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 and Chamber went the other way
0: (laughs) yeah and I think you know I think this album was pretty much the reason why that happened this kind of just shut that cold the door was slammed on cold chamber very very quickly after on the aftermath of this record rivals as you mentioned came out in 2015 it's not bad i have spoken to des a few times since about the cold chamber reunion and they're not coming back guys
1: right they're not coming back you kind of um hinted at this but the the article that i have in front of me from kerrang from 1999 even points out right at the beginning that Des is sat with his girlfriend slash future wife, I think, I think she's uh, his fiance yep. at the time, mm-hmm. um, and the rest of the band. Uh, I think that the phrase that the writer uses prefer to keep their own company on a mm. different table. So even in 1999, there's this seeming kind of, I, 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 I probably m- maybe rift is too far to it, but
0: there's a separation even then. They don't get on, do they? They don't get on. I think that's pretty fair to say they don't really get on. And the thing is, is that, like I don't never met the other anyone else has ever been in Cold Chamber. Um, yeah. I've never met Meigs or Bug before. Um, but I would imagine if you can't get on with Des Fafara, I think you've got a bit of a problem going on there because I don't really know why you wouldn't want to get on with Des. Like I say, I feel a bit bad slagging all this off and bringing all this stuff up because. I genuinely, do think Desafara is a, a, a beautiful human being, a truly, yep. truly beautiful, good-natured soul. And I, 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 hope in us bringing this up. I don't think he's ever going to listen to it, but I would like to think that he's that we're we're obviously painting the context of that time, what he's gone on to do. I think um, the fact that people still have such. Um, strong opinions in a positive manner for Desafara and Devil Driver goes to show just how great he is because this is an incredibly difficult thing to come back from. Chamber music, incredibly difficult.
1: You're absolutely right. Devil Driver, like you know, (laughs) even I'm saying nice things about Devil Driver. (laughs) Like, the first time I ever saw Devil Driver was at one of the Metal Hammer Golden Gods, and I was kind of like, oh right, fine, you know, I'll see this, it might be quite amusing sort of thing and i remember being really shocked and really taken aback at like how good they were and i feel like that's been a lot of people's you know when devil driver were first announced people were just like oh the matey boy from cold chambers got a new band that'll be a laugh and you know the first devil driver certainly album certainly not the best one but it's a damn sight better than um anything cold chamber did oh I'd yeah say. yeah yeah
0: there's a fair few records that they have made that are better than anything cold chamber have ever done i would say at least four records that are far better than the best of cold chamber uh, which yeah. i think is alan partridge's favorite cold chamber record anyway <laughs> um
1: <laughs> and even though i've put them in with that meat and potatoes thing to be fair you gave me an album trade-off where they were doing like country and western covers didn't yep. you? and you know that was again unexpected and i was really surprised by that and on paper i was like that sounds like a bad idea and they actually pulled it off quite well from mm-hmm. what i recall like it's actually that's a decent record actually mm. so
0: and that's been wor- that's been reviewed worse if you go and look at the reviews of that and then look at the reviews of chamber music <laughs> chamber music online has better reviews which is absolutely bizarre oh, that's just wrong yeah Yeah. Uh, anyway let's fucking rank it and get out of here because this is I can't believe we've done we've literally done a classic album on chamber music I pretty know. much well. madness um, where would you like to put this Renfri uh, I haven't got a fucking clue to be honest with you do you want me to start yeah okay look it's so long this record this this might be the most offensively long record we've gone our goes on too long doesn't it i don't think we've had a record so far that has been so long that we've had to bring up how unbearably long it is (laughs) i'm looking at it down here now and there have been some where it's like gone you just get Core, don't it go on and on and on and on even like the true symphonic Orchestra. Which is was you know thirty seven tracks or something, but like they're all some of them are eighteen seconds long, and you know Black Flag yeah. again like loads and loads and loads, and you know some of them are long. You go fuck me, this is an hour. I mean, Chamber Music is is an hour, but God, it feels like forever. It just feels like forever, and I mean, I got to be honest with you, it's not even as interesting and as funny as something like Sgt. Pepper's. Or Richard Ashcroft's United Nations are sound. And it's such a like, ploddy, long, like prison sentence of a record. It's like a prison <laughs> sentence, this record. <laughs> I mean, is it worse? Like, th- there's a few, isn't there? Is it worse than met- Methods of Mayhem? I actually don't think it's as morally objectionable as uh, Methods yeah. of Mayhem. I also don't think it's as morally objectionable as Hard to Swallow. Although, weirdly, the musicians in Hard to Swallow give it a li- that a slight edge. Because the musicians in Hard to Swallow, Shannon Larkin, uh, you know, th- they give it something you go, Well you're actually probably better musicians. Ross Robinson, probably better people involved in it than mm-hmm. Meeks from Cold Chamber. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Just going yeah, like yeah, gong, 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 like hitting his guitar like some sort of a seal. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just going on over and over again on the guitar. So they've got that, but then weirdly... I mean, Vanilla Ice is incredibly dislikable throughout all of Hard to Swallow. i But I am looking around that area because it's New Metal again, isn't it? And
1: Wow. You're, you're looking higher up the list than I am. So I, I'll tell you where I, I am. I think I was looking between Theory of a Dead Man, the truth is, and Megadeth Super Collider. Now, the reason why... I despise Theory of a Dead Man more than chamber music. It's just the sheer blatant fucking shitty misogynism in it and stuff like that. And what I will say, the, the lyrics on chamber music are fucking awful, but none of but, no, but none of them are, like, offensively bad, as far as I could pick up, anyway. Um, and to be honest, that's one thing I'll say for Cole Chamber. In a subgenre that had, let's face it, quite a lot of misogynism in it, I don't recall... Cold chamber ever really going down that route
0: there's a mirror of the desert on the first uh record which is oh, um but we're that. not we're not doing that but that is like you know ah, ha 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 indians isn't it like how- that's i mean that is atrocious yeah 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 that is absolutely
1: awful um but but that but that's not this record mm-hmm. so so you know um i mean it would have fit right onto this record <laughs> in terms of its musical contribution to the world so I kind of feel like for that alone, because if you're looking around Vanilla Ice, Towers of London, that's far more problematic stu- I mean, I certainly... The Towers of London record is almost half the length of this, but I think I'd rather go back to chamber music than Towers of London, if I'm totally honest. Eoghan Quick is number 12. That's broken, like it sounds bad. Oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah. don't think this is particularly produced badly. It's dated, but then so most records that have come out in that time have so i don't think that's too much of a stick to beat it with sergeant popper's lonely hearts club band i mean there are just some absolutely beguiling decisions mainly down to ridiculous mountains of cocaine that are made on that album and chamber music is just musicians who aren't very capable reaching beyond their limits getting ideas above their station I think that is less worse than Sergeant Pepper's. Richard Ashcroft's embarrassing United <laughs> Nations. It's <just> fucking <laughs> embarrassing. This yeah. is arguably embarrassing as well. But which is more embarrassing of the two? I'd probably say United Nations. The sound. Yeah. Queen and again, Queen and Paul Rogers, The Cosmos embarrassing, Rocks. Yeah, embarrassing. Yeah, really. yeah. Louis XIV has all that like horrible yeah, lyric like misogynistic that. stuff. David Deadman, misogynistic stuff. And then we get to Megadeth Super Collider, which which you know is crap and boring but I think Chamber Music should be above Super Collider because at least Super Collider is short in comparison isn't it? It, it didn't feel <laughs> as didn't like, feel like Chamber Music yeah, felt think, a lot longer it's than It's just Super the
0: sheer fucking length of Chamber Music main, I mean I yeah all of that I think Hard to Swallow the, the only thing I was thinking is Hard to Swallow feels shorter and the musicianship is clearly better but having said that everything else about it is atrocious and everything you said about everything else is atrocious it's just this record is so fucking long but yeah you're right I mean I do think I'd probably just about have Super Collider by Megadeth over this is this I mean I think about one more light I suppose one more light it's just over by Linkin Park it's just over so quickly at
1: least one more light short
0: at least it's short yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, Chamber Music attempts to do more and attempts to go to more places. I guess it's more ambitious than One More Light. One More Light's just a shit pop record. Yeah. But, oh, I don't know. I'm, it, I'm,
0: like, I'm putting it in where you said um, in between Fear of a Dead Man and Super Collider because I think you're probably right. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, which puts it actually at number 18. In the flop 20, yeah, just about. Anyway, I've picked another album out. Oh, Remedy. Yeah. This is going to be fucking super interesting. And again, we are on home territory here. Okay. I actually can't wait for this. This doesn't happen very much. But this is an album that I'm going to bat for. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. One Hot Minute.
1: One Hot Minute. I'm going to say this right now,
0: everyone. That's my favourite Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Ooh.
1: I think you're mad, <laughs> but 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 yeah. Oh, that's going to be quite an argument for the old placing, isn't it?
0: I think not really. It's going to go top of the pile. <laughs> so don't even bother uh, tuning in next week because you know where it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Um, we will see you next week with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, classic album on uh, Chamber Music by Gold Chamber. <laughs>